0: Welcome to episode 25 in the Kips Personal Trainer Application Podcast. My name is Tyler Valencia and I'm the president of Kips and Kettlebell Concepts. One of the most important aspects of sustaining a career in the fitness industry is being able to market yourself or the business you operate. In this episode, we have Deborah Atkinson who at age 49 left her well-paying position and started working for herself. Since then, she has started her own brand called Flipping 50, which is its own podcast and TV show. In this episode, Deborah shares her tips for developing content and how she honed in on her own branding. Let's get to the episode. So, Deborah, how do you use social media to build your brand?
1: Great question. And I'll preface this by saying I use it very differently now. Than I did. And, you know, having gone through, or we're in the middle of the pandemic, I think it's always going to be different. I think going forward, it's still going to be different,
0: mm-hmm.
1: at least for those people who are really paying attention to what's happening and what's changed in the undercurrent of, we're always going to be able to educate people on fitness. And there's always going to be a need for that. However, mm-hmm. we're doing it, whether it's face-to-face or it's online or it's some hybrid model it that you're delivering it but the way i see social media now is it's so much more about connection Mm -hmm. and the one thing i want to emphasize is that i left my safe secure jobs you know all those that came with a regular paycheck and let me walk out the door and be done with it and not have to take it to bed with me at night and wake up with it in the morning. I left that all at forty
0: nine
1: and and I I jumped. I guess some of us cannonball some some of us put their toes in the water. Well, I cannonballed and I panicked um, right after that, realizing, you know, I'm going to start paying college tuition for my son in eight months. What in the world did I just do? And yet I know I would not be here had it not been for the organic traffic that I was able to drive from social media. And I will say that potentially you're not as lucky today because there are so many more of us online that now that we've started to pay for it, we're going to probably always need to invest and pay. But organic traffic is still not dead And anything that you are going to pay for, you want to have tested in an organic way to make sure that people are responding and engaging. You're just going to want to and need to amplify that with paid advertising. So the biggest difference between the way I used to use social media and the way that I do now is that I would... In my own little head, in my own little world, probably in my own little bed, because I used to do a lot of my ideaing and my planning early in the morning with my laptop and my coffee, you know, propped by my pillow. I would come up with the questions, the most frequently asked questions, then that list of the most should ask questions, what we really wish that clients would have asked were, We know that is more important for them to ask than those frequently asked questions. And then I would plan the videos that I was going to use and YouTube was really my jam. So I'd come from a background of being a senior lecturer in kinesiology and being a program director after I had been a personal trainer. So used to teaching one-on-one, used to teaching trainers in small groups and one-on-one, used to teaching groups of members in um, different programs and venues that then I would turn over to our trainers after we'd put them in the beta group. I was a teacher. And so that was just so natural for me to continue teaching, sharing that knowledge. So, I would just do head and shoulders videos. And in some cases, I was doing exercises, but more often than not, I was just using head and shoulders videos of me clip after clip after clip, sharing, you know, exercise mistakes, stretching mistakes, you know, whatever it is that I could think of. It all came from me. And that was after years of experience. So, I thought I knew it. I thought I had it nailed. This is the way we'd built our business and we had some success. And yet even now, now that I'm 36 years into it, I know that the smartest and the best way to really find out how I'm going to connect with an audience is to pull and survey and interview. Because every time I do that, even after 36 years, I learn something. I learn something from them about how I can connect with them better and teach better. And that word connect is really the biggest difference between how I use social media now and how I did then. So now it is even more about telling my story, telling about the mistakes that I made, revealing that, you know, it may look good. And, you know, I show pictures of myself, you know, when I'm dressed and made up and in a studio, and yet, you know, that is somewhat fake, right? It's not photoshopped, mm-hmm. it's not airbrushed, but it's still me at my best. So I've learned that when I go on and I'm raw, no makeup, bedhead in pajamas, those are some of the most popular videos. When I let them know, I mean, this is coffee with Deborah. And coffee with Deborah is not like coffee with somebody else on that other site where somebody's already made up for the day. Like you get me in my coffee pajamas. This <laughs> is it. And and I will get on when I feel like there's a strong enough urgency and message that I need to teach, even if it's been such a busy day behind the keyboard and the computer at home. And I literally haven't showered. And you all know that happens, right? (laughs) Mm -hmm. we've, We've done the workout. Maybe it's a live workout. Maybe it's just our own. And then we've gone into appointments and phone calls and been so busy that it's three in the afternoon. You haven't had a shower yet, especially during COVID. I'm sure many of you are experiencing that. Well, that's kind of been my life for 8 years because i was online learning this mm-hmm. huge learning curve i knew fitness but i did not know how do i get a course online i didn't know you know how to plug in all those things i didn't know who to hire first and so learning that you know i realized that I was either going to get in my own way and feel like no I had to be perfect. I had to, you know, take a shower and I had to put makeup on and I had to have the correct lighting. And I've done many videos with less than stellar lighting with no makeup with bedhead and literally those are the best. Those are the ones that people resonate with. I've been photobombed many times by my dog. They like him better than me, so sometimes that works out <laughs> and and I've had maybe two, two or three people, literally less than five, say, you know, your dog was really in the way. And I'm like, you're just not my people. It, it's okay, right? <laughs> this is not my person. Most of the people actually love it. And they're like, mine is just the same way. When I'm at home and working out, mine is just the same way. And they resonate with that. So I think showing flaws and really connecting and telling the truth, not telling a story, maybe my story, my background, and the reason why I did this and got into it, but literally being authentic and showing that this is what it's like for me too. That's been the best and most positive use, I think, of social media is We can literally be with people who right now feel so very alone and isolated. That's what really wins their hearts.
0: Yeah, yeah, good stuff. And first I gotta mention, because we have met in person before, that I would have never guessed what your age is. You are in great shape. And I would have not guessed it when you were talking about when you started this other side of, on the other side of the industry. And what I like is that The perspective that you're bringing to this episode is you were already a lecturer, you were an educator, and many of the issues people in our industry face is with what we're talking about today with the branding and using social media. Some of them think, I have all these credentials, I have X, Y, Z after my name, I don't need this. I'm sorry, but you do, and because there are many people with less initials after their name that are very good at it. They're very good at social media. And despite what you have after your name, the consumers, they don't know. And I've heard you say this as well. They they don't know what, uh, I'll say a CPT stands for CSCS. And I mean, I have initials after my name, but it's some of them don't know what they are and do they really care? Sometimes they just wanna connect. And I think that that is the important thing that you've talked about right here is the connection that you're making with your audience and how you're doing it with being real, and a question that came up in my mind, and this is based off also a presentation that I've seen you make before, is the use of the comment section. Do you feel like it's a mixture of both, or do you use the comment section with social media, whether it's on Facebook, Instagram, uh, to connect with your audience, or is it really the content
1: It's a great question. And it's definitely both. So I think if you don't use that comment section, if you aren't actually engaging with them, well, number one, social media doesn't reward you. So that goes unused and untapped because they like it when it's a two-way conversation. It's not just you posting content, but you actually do get comments from your audience and then you engage again. So on any platform, I would highly recommend, you know, yes, respond to each of those. Or, you know, if you are not doing it yourself, I'm, I'm very protective, um, you know. And I know at some point I won't be able to do this, but I think that'll be a sad moment if I ever walk away completely and let somebody else do this because then you lose touch and you're not having the conversation. So. I try to respond to each and every one of those somehow, and, you know, not just a like, but, a, you know, I love this or even better is finish that comment with a question because then you encourage even more conversation yeah. and you do get rewarded for that. So Facebook or Instagram, see mm-hmm. that you're having a conversation with people. You know, we're going to show you more often because you're relevant.
0: Yep. They're, they're engaging. Yep. Engagement. It's huge. Engaging, getting people to watch, engage with the video or the post, whatever that might be. I mean, the things that we're talking about now, this is basic level stuff in my mind that people need to get in the habit of these types of things. So responding the, to the comments is one piece of it. But creating that valuable content that's going to create the engagement, but also the comments that might do too your, I'll say your description on the video. And really, I forgot to, I need to go back a second because I forgot to mention this prior. The way that I look at, we'll say paid marketing is, is your fuel for a fire. You're, you're adding fuel onto it to make it grow bigger, but the organic traffic that you can create, you know, that's your everyday stuff that you want to get good at. And I've seen many companies just plow through that. They didn't really care about the organic or getting consistent posts that are out there, but you get good at the day-to-day stuff so that when you do pour that fire on, it builds up. And that's kind of the stuff we're talking about right now with the comments, your your content, responding, your hashtags, all that kind of stuff is just going to make your existing stuff just grow and grow and grow. And I think right now is the point where it'd be great to um, talk about because you shared a little bit about yourself already. Um, what were the steps you, you took to brand yourself with flipping 50, which I think is a great uh, story as well?
1: Yeah, great question there too. And honestly, I'm still doing it. I think I'm still doing it. So often in the first, I've gotten this so much less frequently lately. I'm just noticing while I'm answering your question here, but for about that, literally, this was born in 2013. And for about the first four or five years, I kept getting questions like, what about flipping 60? And what about, you know, fewer questions about this, but what about flipping 70? And, you know, I, I kept having to say, this is like the whole second fifty. <laughs> like you're included. I'm I'm not discluding you. It's just that, you know, right at 50, we it seems like such a pivotal moment in people's lives. I mean, 50 is like, you know, if we're gonna make it to a hundred, we're at halfway, it's halftime. Games are won in the second half. And and it's also when women go through menopause during that pivotal couple of years, we go through the biggest changes. That we're going to in our lives. So if you're a 60, you're you're not going through those huge changes again, but many of the same rules apply to you. So it was a struggle to let people know. So what is that? And it's the whole second 50, as well as we are flipping it on its, you know what, you know, any way that people used to think about aging. What you used to think about retiring is rewiring. What you used to think about going downhill really doesn't have to be. It's just we need a change in mindset. So, when you are the brand, so obviously it's my business, and you know it's me doing those lives. It's me in the fitness videos or in the audios and the podcast. So. I am the brand is such a great question. So it's not as if there's some big conglomerate company. I'm literally not a spokesperson. It is, it is me. I am the brand. So I have to walk the talk. And I also have to be touchable, reachable, not within reach. So everybody here has, has heard this, the no like, and trust rule. Right, So if somebody's going to do business with us and they're going to buy from us, they have to know, like, and trust us. Well, I used to teach that. I used to teach it to my trainers and to groups of mentees. And yet now I would teach it so very differently. Because what I've learned is that it's not just that they need to know who you are, like you telling your story and you telling your degrees and your certification alphabet and your experience and your why all of that. But what's more important about the know and the like is that they don't just need to like you. So it's not that popularity contest. It's that they want to be like you and they have to feel like that's within reach. So not that you're up on a pedestal, at least not such a high one that they couldn't climb up on a chair and get it down. They have to feel like maybe you're a few steps ahead of them, but they want to see themselves in you. And that's where that connection comes back in again. So they have to know who you are, know why you and not somebody else. And they have to like you. But most of all, they have to feel like they are like you or you are like them. That's really been the biggest learning, I think, for me, even in this last, probably it's been 18 months that I've really focused on. How am I doing that? How am I making that connection possible and realizing that I'm okay with that? So whether it's trainers who are doing the flipping 50 fitness Mm -hmm. specialist and they're learning the marketing Mm -hmm. for themselves, or it's my customers, my consumers who are going through flipping 50 programs, they want to somewhat be like you and I'm good with that. So understanding that there's no threat there, that I had the same kind of aspirations when I saw somebody else on stage for the first time. That's what I want to do. That's how I want to be respected. So I think realizing that piece and then figuring out what's the unique thing that I have that probably in some point in my life, I hated about myself that... Nobody else can say, because anybody else can go and get a degree. You know, a master's degree in physiology or kinesiology used to be a big deal. Well, it's not anymore. Everybody's got one. And, you know, getting a certification, an advanced specialty, you know, that's also not a big deal. Anybody can do that take the time and the money and the energy, you can do that, invest in yourself and do it. And it's not unimportant. So I'm not, not by any means saying don't do that, you need it. But you also need the special sauce. So if anybody's thinking, well, I can't do it, or sometimes I convince myself that there's so many people already doing what I want to do, You know, I would tell you, but they're not you. And people are coming to you for certain things. We sometimes can't see it. We can't see that special gift that we have. So, you know, I've got a couple of them that, you know, I've been able to say, okay, I can somehow put into words the answers to questions that my clients don't know to ask yet. I think that's one of my unique gifts. And that i can relate i am somewhat still an iowa girl with iowa girl values from a very small town and those pieces of relaying my roots very frequently i'm talking about you know at home and i've lived a couple different places now i never thought i would have that experience but you know, talking about roots and being in the middle of the Midwest and what that was like and what it's like thinking about that as home. All those pieces are a part of my brand and they're a unique piece that nobody else can say. And I think that's what anybody who's trying to brand themselves needs to look for and find in their own world.
0: like that. I really do. And um, before we, I try to relate this to personal trainers listening in on this episode, something that came into my mind that I was just talking with somebody yesterday about was uh, some people in their organization or their company, they sometimes use I in a company post that they've been told to restrict that and whatnot. And I always say, it depends. Like, are you the, are you the image for the company or is, are you trying to build a brand a build a company name? So distinguishing those is important, but what I really thought about in all these, all this great stuff that you've been mentioning is how personal trainers can utilize some of this stuff. Because I think trainers so often forget that you're trying to build a connection with somebody. And it did pop in my mind for a quick second, the whole, you got to look the part aspect. And I know that's a big debate within the industry that you have to look like a personal trainer. Um, and I don't want to dive into that now because it's a big can of worms with it, but it's the, the relationship that you're also building them because all of the things that you just mentioned with a people want to invest in potentially be, you know, some like, like some aspect of you, maybe it's that fit aspect that you're inventing. They're trying to reach a certain level of, of fitness and be, you know, able to consistently do that. And they see that in you and. Being in a gym where there's 10, 15, 40 trainers, I've worked in a gym with 40 trainers and often the most fit, male and female, they had a lot of clients. And some of them, they're all at different ages, but oftentimes you get people that want to invest in it because I think it's exactly what you just said, that people want to reach some certain level of that. And I'm not going to say that that's the reason why you've got to look the part um, but it's that, it's a connection aspect of it. And so when personal trainers are listening to this episode, they can hopefully see how can you I'll say make your appearance or how can you build your because this is not just I know we're talking about social media right now, but how can you build your story up to connect with them so that the person on the other side that's about to invest thousands of dollars in your training feels comfortable with that because they understand where you're coming from and how they can relate to you. Cause I think that that is such a crucial aspect of being a personal trainer or being in the fitness industry in general.
1: Yeah. I love that Hey, Tyler. And I want to inject something else. So you started off that with, you know, talking about the use of the word I versus Mm -hmm. we when you're with a company on the flip side, I would just love to share this concept with everybody. And I, I don't know that I did it initially, but it is something that I've learned over the years. And I see this mistake made a lot. And the thing is, we don't know how much it hurts you or how much switching it will help you. But the use of the word you, Y-O-U, is one of the most powerful marketing words in the world. So if you are doing video or you're doing a written blog post or just a post directly on your social, beware of the tendency to think of like an entire audience out there and say things like, you guys, hey, you guys, because I'm just one person in front of my screen watching you. So what I want to know is you are talking just to me. It should be like you're whispering in one person's ear. So if you can really think about your ideal one person, that ideal customer, ideal avatar, however you refer to it and talk just to somebody like they're your best friend, when you do videos, audio, or your writing, it will really strengthen the message that you're sending.
0: Golden, golden gem right there. And I would say that even applies in a personal training setting. I know that we're, I keep bringing that up, but I feel like that can be so applicable to personal trainers in a gym. And it's uh it's great. It's really great. So we're, we've been talking a lot about content, comments, the basics and whatnot. And um, if listeners go over to your social media channels, we'll say your Instagram, you will see a variety of content on there. You've shared already some type of content that you create with videos and how real you do make it that it's you that they're seeing on the other side of that. Can you share some of the resources that you utilize when you're developing content?
1: Well, I will. And this actually struck me while you were talking earlier and I didn't come back to it. So we were talking about the use of, okay, there's the creating content part of it. And then there's the, what about the comments? Do you Mm -hmm. use the comments and engagement? Well, you can start from there. So I think for a lot of, trainers or fitness instructors who are reluctant to like post, like, I don't know what to post. Like, you know, and, and again, we have that kind of imposter syndrome. Well, like, why does anybody need my post? Like there's so much information out there about that. Mm-hmm. And yet they do like, somebody needs to hear it in the way that you're going to say it and you have people following you. So they are clearly wanting to hear your opinion about something. But when you don't know what to post, you can actually start your content with basically a comment. So I did this and you know what hot topics are for your audience. So I I don't mean, you know, like what's trending now on Google, because I don't really care about that as much as I want to know what my customers and clients are talking about. I want to know what their needs are right now five and a half months into COVID, what are they needing? It's not the same as every beginning of September every year. It's different. But one of the things I did is for women turning 50 or 60, muscle loss is a problem and they're not seeing tone. So I know that's an issue, but I don't know exactly what questions they have about it. So I literally posted, hey, I'm going to do a Q and a in a couple of upcoming podcasts about muscle loss. What are your biggest questions? 25 responses. So now I've got some overlap there, but I've got two dozen possible questions that I can answer. That right there is a video and you just call it. It's Q and a about muscle loss from our subscribers and you're done. And this you can probably answer in your sleep. So that's one of the ways that I'll use resources. My my audience, my followers and the fans are the resources that I'm using for developing content. So that's where it comes from, is really polling them, surveying them, talking to them and engaging with them, finding out what they're interested in. And then it's also keeping your ear open about what is your competition doing and, and knowing who, who they are specifically. So, you know, it's like if you open up your cookbook shelf, you know, and even if you're getting your recipes online, I know you've got one. You've got a cookbook shelf. <laughs> Somebody's given you books or you bought them. You don't just buy one cookbook. Just because you have one, you buy multiple. So we'd be silly to think or silly to feel threatened if because somebody's following you and they're following some of your competitors who also have similar programs to you that you should be threatened by that. Because the chances they'll end up buying all of them at some point they're they're going to do something for a while and then maybe interest will wane or they will fall off the bandwagon and get run over by it and they'll join another program. And that's not problematic. I mean, that means they're still in the loop. We're still impressioning them with a better lifestyle and fitness, whether it comes directly from you or in part from you. You were a part of making that happen. So I think looking to see what are other people doing that you don't steal, but that you can compliment. So you can embellish. So I know myself well enough to know when I'm writing a book, I won't read other books in that venue until I'm done. Because I don't wanna risk that waking up in the middle of the night thinking I have a great idea and really it came from another book that I read. I want to be very careful about that. So I will read and review those other books later. But you need to know yourself enough to know that you won't be tempted simply to copy it, but you'll complement it somehow, put a twist on it, a spin on something that someone else did. Or maybe that's a way you find topics for reaching out to someone and saying, listen, would you be interested in, you know, being the topic of an interview? Maybe you don't do podcasts, but in a live Facebook and let's get on and talk about this in our similarities and the differences and, you know, what it's like for your audience and for mine, and maybe we'll both benefit by growing. So I think just collaboration, especially right now during this pandemic I think we all feel that moment of competition is greater because everybody's online right now and there's only so many eyeballs. Our customers are also online, but there's far more trainers mm-hmm. and fitness instructors online and that's where everybody is. But collaboration is far more powerful than trying to do something in a silo.
0: Yeah.
1: So those are some really strong you know, ways to get some ideas and use the resources of people. There's no better resource than that.
0: Yeah, I love it. I, and case in point here, that's what this podcast episode is for the for for Kips. And I mean, it's just one example of developing content. But I actually really need to go back to what you said with the comments because I I admit that I have never really thought about that one. And the one of the biggest struggles any company will face with social media or creating content, is where where am I gonna get it? Where What ideas can I come, come up with? And I've lectured on the utilize, utilizing YouTube and creating series on YouTube because it's a way to develop content that you could spread across social media channels. And that's worked well for me, but what works well for me might not work well for others. And I like that idea of what you just shared with using, go back to your comments. What is your audience wondering about What are they asking you about and starting there? And I think that that's often part of the equation of why someone isn't starting. They don't know what they're going to post. They don't know if people are going to like it, but if you use those fans, just how you mentioned, it's great. It's great start. So that's really a golden gem right there for everybody listening. And um, I think one more question to ask you before we get to the podcast takeaways is because you're, Talked briefly about this. So you didn't start the whole flipping 50 or you didn't leave your, your previous job until you were 49. Can you share some of those struggles that you encountered with starting this brain flipping 50?
1: <laughs> oh, well, there are a lot of tears. I tell you <laughs> that. I never, I've, you know, I say that knock on wood until this year. Until this year, <laughs> I've never worked so hard in my life. And here was my thought while I was, because the grass is always greener, right? So while I was working, you know, probably 60 hour week as a, a personal training director for a club with three locations, and, you know, that was kind of through the recession and we just, we grew tremendously during that time. And what I hope for everybody listening is that we will see the same thing, Coming through and out of this pandemic, that people will—they're more hungry for a positive message and health than they ever have been before. And so, those of us who are willing to roll up their sleeves, be creative, and be consistent will thrive from this. And and so, hang in there. But you know, I thought that I wanted to have a much bigger reach. So, you know, I was reaching two dozen trainers and, you know, three to 400 people a week were training. And I just thought, you know, we didn't do anything special here in the middle of the Midwest in a recession. Are you kidding? If we can have the kind of success we did, I wanted to help more people do that. So I thought, I'm going to take this flexible 60 hour work week I, I have, and I'm going to work for myself. And that turned into probably 80 hour work weeks. And, you know, there's no security there. There's no knowledge that that check is going to get deposited in your account every two weeks and it'll be fine. <laughs> there was just this no, like, so it was less than a year later and I everybody else was putting their Christmas decorations up. And I had said at the beginning, you know, if I'm not where I need to be, you know, and I'm feeling like I need to do this, I will put my house on the market. Well, be careful what you wish for. So everybody else was putting up their Christmas tree and I was taking down every picture in the house in tears. I mean, it was hard, hard, hard and you know, then I moved, my house wasn't even under contract, moved in with my niece living in the basement of her house. Listen, this is not what you see for yourself at 49. (laughs) Okay. I, and I can laugh now, but it's taken a while. And I mean, I pawn jewelry to pay for Facebook ads. I kid you not. So there are things that I'm like, oh, I don't even like to think about that, but it's part of, I was that committed. Mm. I mean, I just, knew I was supposed to do something more. I wasn't supposed to just stay comfortable and live in this, you know, same town and, you know, be respectable and have very little debt and, you know, be fine. I was supposed to do more. And I felt like I had the responsibility to demonstrate that to my son. And uh, so That was hard, but I think the biggest point is you don't quit. So I've gotten a reputation among some friends and colleagues for being that person who shows up, for being consistent. And, you know, there haven't been a lot of just home runs and overnight successes. I mean, any overnight success, I think we've all heard that, you know, it's usually 10 years of hard work that came before that that nobody else happened to notice. But, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: you know, I've just consistently shown up, been there. And, you know, I love it. I honestly can't see myself retiring. Definitely I'd like a little more freedom. You know, I think uh, COVID hit and kind of put me back into, you know, working a little harder to figure out, you know, what moment are we in right now? How do Mm -hmm. I how do I pivot for different needs that, you know, people have now that they didn't have in January of 2020. And so it's, it's hard work, but it is hard work. I wouldn't trade for anything. I mean, there could, I could be doing something else. I didn't love and believe in as much. So it's a privilege to be doing this.
0: I love it. I love it. And I could share, I'll say similar stories with being an entrepreneur and starting a business and uh, just recently, I believe it was actually last week, I was doing an interview. I was being interviewed, which was always nice. I was being interviewed by one of my old professors from my undergrad and she asked about my mistakes, mistakes I've made. And my honest answer, and I'm sure you'd share a very similar answer about mistakes you've made, but I said that uh, that was the hardest question I had to answer. But because of, I, I look at my mistakes as learning opportunities. And I wouldn't trade them because I learned so much throughout that process of being an entrepreneur and these mistakes helped me grow. And all the things that you just mentioned there with the consistency and staying committed to your goal are so important because you have those moments that you shared that the, the lows that often make us question, can we make it through it? And I think that personal trainers listening to this episode will experience many of those. When you get in the fitness industry, especially being a personal trainer, you might be just hanging around a gym for three hours, not getting paid. You might see your check come back after two weeks and see what I only worked 14 hours, but I was there for 60 hours. I was there for 40 hours. And that's part of it. It's that grind, that the consistent grind. And once you do start seeing those clients sign up you see those hours build up makes it all worth it and I'm sure that you are, have a similar feeling with growing your business as that that I do that it's the that rewarding feeling it's like that's why I did it for that mental space the ability to put in those hours because you do love something that much which is always so great to hear and share with uh, somebody with a similar mindset which is um, which is great so as we get to the podcast takeaways for this episode I always start by saying that the podcast takeaways came from a, a person that did 50 Ironmans in 50 states, I believe it was in 50 days. So it was a documentary that I watched a couple months ago. And I can't say a couple because it's more than that. I just forgot when I watched it. But he did 50 Ironmans in 50 states. And on Twitter, he was asked, what are three lies about doing an Ironman? And he shared them. But I thought that it was such a great question for the podcast. So what are three lies about the fitness industry? And this is such a great opportunity for people to provide their insight on the fitness industry and based off their experiences, which yours have been different than many. So Deborah, what are those three lies in the fitness industry?
1: (laughs) Okay. Well, you know, I'm going to say number one, that, you know, which certification you get really matters. love it. Because, you know, there are so many and your client really does not know the difference. So it doesn't matter to you, yes. And it matters to your level of confidence and your ability to deliver and essentially solve problems, which is all we're doing every day, all day. But which certification you get really doesn't matter.
0: Agree (laughs) 100%. What are the next two?
1: The next two is that all you need is a certification and or a degree.
0: I dig it. I dig it. No. I mean,
1: we've talked about marketing for an mm-hmm. hour. So if you haven't picked up on the fact that marketing, unfortunately a good marketer could beat you out for a client. So yep. really, you've got to have both. you got to be the whole package.
0: Yep. Agree. Agree. And I mean, I've said that and I've held the same view for a very long time about the certifications. And I mean, I've worked for three different education companies in the industry and they were not the big ones. They're not the big boys, the big four that some people will call them. I did not work for those ones. I worked for the smaller ones, but I had many, if not more opportunities than people that did have quote unquote the best that, but people don't know that these are entry level certifications Technically, the education is developed to be the same for an entry-level personal trainer. What you do after is after that is going to be the same as somebody that got a different certification, but how can you market yourself and build your business from there? So, Deborah, as we wrap this up, can you share with people your social media accounts and also your website?
1: Absolutely. So let me give it to you in two ways. So because I have two niches, one for fitness professionals. So if you want to follow for the, how do you help clients, your clients flip 50 in menopause and post menopause or marketing and sales strategies, that's fitness voice. And I'm on Twitter and fitness marketing biz. That's in Facebook. And if you want to look over my shoulder instead and see more of the meta of how I'm doing what I do with my market, which is almost more valuable, I think, that's everywhere at Flipping 50 TV, Flipping 50 TV on Instagram, big YouTube following, and you'll see how much I grew that organically. I'm only now advertising and because of the moment we're in and Facebook so those are the three areas i'm everywhere but those are the three places where i'm really concentrating because that's where my customers are and i want to share tyler one more thing if you'll let me please do the you know kind of the third takeaway that i would say is that you know you're going to hear this that i've said this the that because of the pandemic the fitness industry is never going to be the same. And I think some people fear that brick and mortar businesses will never recover. You know, I think at some point they will, I think, you know, that may be, you know, after a vaccine and a vaccine's been tested and proven to people, there's a comfort level that will return, but we are, and we always have been in the problem solving business Mm -hmm. with fitness. And there are still problems out there. They're just different problems than we had in January and February of 2020. So if you can stay focused on the problems that people have, the only thing that's going to change is the way you deliver those solutions. And you can still be extremely successful.
0: Love it. I love it. I love it. Do you have any uh, speaking engagements, lectures, anything like that coming up?
1: Definitely. I've got, Fitness Fest is coming up. So that's a totally online. And, you know, I don't know about you, but I'm loving actually the virtual summits, the online experiences. And the reason is this, that they afford some people the opportunity to go who otherwise couldn't have because of the hotel and the travel and the the getting there piece is gone. We took it away. So a lot of things are accessible to people that otherwise weren't. And I have also attended some just extremely connected virtual summits. It, you know, when I'm projecting and I'm sitting at my kitchen table, it feels like I'm bringing these people home with me Mm -hmm. and I'm an introvert. So go figure, right. I'll stand on stage and I'll speak to large (laughs) groups, but ultimately I'm an introvert. So I actually love that. (laughs)
0: Love it. Love it. This is a great, really solid episode for everybody listening. And I hope that people take this stuff and apply it right away. It's so important for people entering, but even existing fitness professionals to utilize all the content in here. Deborah, thank you for coming on the episode. Really great stuff.
1: Thanks so much for having me, Tyler.